The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey yo! Welcome in to another episode of the TFA Dino Show. Welcome back to all of you who have joined us before, and welcome in to any new individuals who might be listening for the first time. I'm Robbie Jeffries at NFL Robbie on Twitter, along with my guy Tom Corson. Oh, I thought you were gonna pour, Tom. I thought you were gonna do the pour during hey, your intro. Oh, you want you want some? Oh, it's just a little bit. I'm not pouring it out for anybody yet. We're good. That is Tom Corson at Dynasty Infidel on the World Wide Web of Twitter. He is on his third glass of wine, so this is going to be a fantastic show. It's not three, man. It's like two and change. No, it's like one and two. It's two. <laughs> He's lost That's count, ladies right. and gentlemen. I, I haven't have had won. a bottle. I have won this uh, first argument. Tom, happy belated Thanksgiving to you. What did you do for Thanksgiving, buddy? Did you smoke a turkey like I did? Oh, I did not. You know what? Normally, I am all hands on deck for helping out with the cooking this year. I was horrendous. We had football that we were preparing for. Um, you know, the college I worked for played on Saturday, and we had just had to do, like, COVID testing for individuals, and I was all over the place, got back right before we started eating. So the only thing I did was help open a can of corn. Didn't That's even it. eat any bird? Did you eat some bird? Oh, absolutely. No, we had turkey. We had ham, uh, mashed potatoes, stuffing. I mean, it was fantastic meal. And you know what I learned is that I should not be involved in any of the cooking because it was probably, you know, my fiance and her roommate. Uh, they they did a fantastic job. Um, so, you know, shout out to to them for because obviously they're, they're listening to this beautiful show. Um, right, they, they, they were great cooks and it was fantastic. Um, how was yours? Oh, it was good. It was good. I, I smoked the turkey, and my wife does uh, mostly everything else, and my, our parents came over. Um, I, I think the governor of my state, Phil Murphy, was outside the window counting us at one time. Mm-hmm. He was like, not more than 10. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. We got eight. We, we compliant. We, eight. we compliant. He was trying to count the dogs. I wanted to bring my neighbors over just to say, you know, screw off, Phil, but whatever. I didn't. But it was really good. It was good. It was good. It was good. Yeah, stick it to the man. Yeah, that's so, what I well, about. we want to thank everybody who who's been listening over you know the weeks as we've kind of launched the 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 dynasty portion of the fantasy authority. We really appreciate everybody rocking with us 
And as you guys know, uh, we took a little hiatus last week for Thanksgiving. Uh, the week before, we started what we thought was a really fun concept of redrafting the 2020 rookie class. And tonight, we are going to continue that with the second round of the 2020 rookie class. Um, but Tom, before I get into that, I have a burning question for you. We are in December. You know, people are starting to get in the holiday spirit. Fiance already has the Christmas tree and decorations up. And I, I've seen this argument once every year, and, and we've seen it in Dynasty Twitter again this year. Do you believe Die Hard is a Christmas movie? Why or why not? Die Hard is the 101 of all Christmas movies. Let's be honest, okay? It has guns. It has violence. It has drinking. yippee ki motherfucker, all that stuff. There's a Christmas party. There's Christmas music throughout. Uh, there's snow, there's explosions. It's fantastic. How's it not a Christmas movie? That's my question. I don't understand you people. When I think of Christmas, I think of violence, walking on glass, drinking, and just, you know, just somebody falling out of a, a damn 40 story building. Okay. That's what I think of. Tom, you know, I should have known that was the exact answer you were going to give, knowing knowing your past and knowing just the, the, the violence and the Bruce Willis and the lines. I, I feel like I should have known that that was going to be your take. And you know what's interesting is never watched it until this year. Was never, you know, it was like, eh, whatever. It doesn't stop. really seem, doesn't really seem All like a Christmas stop. movie. All stuff. You've never watched Die Hard until this year? Tom, as as you know, all of these movies that are in the eighties and seventies and these movies before my birth, I'm I'm of the younger generation of the dynasty community. This was not one, you know, Home Alone was what I grew up on. You want to talk about violence? You want to talk about glass, broken ornaments? Uh, yeah, you know, Marv, on somebody's head. Marv takes his sock off and steps on some broken ornaments or, or breaks the ornaments, I should say. So that's that's violence for you there. Yeah, but I mean, it's not, that's like slingshot kid violence. We're talking about, you know, killing Germans and Nazis and everything else who want some money and, and, and dropping Grubers out windows and shit. So, hey, Nakatomi Tower, here we come. Was there a blowtorch? Was there a shovel to the head? Come on. There was a helicopter and the freaking roof exploded and the limo rammed a van. And it was glorious, and I don't know how else to put this. He walked across glass, Robbie. He walked yeah, just, across glass. Which just seemed absolutely unnecessary. Like, they just had to... Did to you even watch the tactical part of it? Oh, my to Lord. To tie in the, like, oh, I, you know, I'm on a plane. What's the most glorious thing about being on a plane? Oh, take your shoes off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> let's just tie this in at some point in the movie. Bang, he, here we go. He was getting changed when it all went down, man. Sometimes uh, you just gotta run with what you got, or you get shot. Yeah. So, so I, I, I agree. You know, and this is this is probably just gonna divide any listeners that we do have. I agree that it's a, a Christmas movie because I don't think you have to have the uh, you know the typical family gathering. Uh, that that that's that's not what makes a Christmas movie. I think it's it's set around Christmas. And it's Christmas music. It has Christmas themes. You know, so maybe a. Uh, uh, you know, Santa or, or Christmas tree, you know, there's, there's some Christmas themes to it, get it coming together as family. Oh, he's going to see his estranged wife. You know, I think he, he hits a lot of those, a lot of those things in the movies. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It, it is a Christmas movie. 
I mean, Carl from Family Matters was the cop in it. I mean, what <laughs> right. else do you need to make it a family movie for Christmas? I, I don't understand. I mean, we, 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 we won the argument. There's no one else clapping back. Nobody. Uh, it shouldn't, not it yet. shouldn't happen. Not yet, anyway. I don't care. I, I know we'll me, get some. We'll get some. Listen, I have a, I have a binder. I keep a binder at work. Of just diehard Christmas like points to just rebuke <laughs> at anyone. It's a whole binder. I have binders full of inmate things, and then I have binders for the argument with uh, Die Hard being a Christmas movie. That those are my binders. My boss doesn't like that binder, but I don't care. Sometimes <laughs> I get it mixed up. It doesn't matter. Oh man, yeah. So all right, I thought I thought that'd be a, an interesting conversation to have and i'm sure that's not the end of it we'll we'll continue to hear that uh throughout the christmas season so tom i'm not sure if you had any week 12 takeaways i I don't want to get into uh our team's performances because they were per usual in 2020 subpar at best but you know something that i i took away from week 12 was you know we always go into the fantasy the fantasy the we always go into the fancy season talking about zero running back, zero wide receiver. You know, these positions are going to get injured, so you should fade them and go this other position. But we never really talk about quarterbacks. And I, we, we think the quarterback position is, you know, they're going to be protected by the, the rules and, and by officiating. But every single year, we see so many injuries by, by this time in the year that I feel like, especially if we're talking about dynasty super flex leagues, it's extremely important to have backup quarterbacks on your roster. Like I know everybody likes to have their sleeper tight end or their sleeper cam Sims, you know, wide receiver or, or Freddie Swain from the Seahawks. And, and that's fine and dandy, but we have had in 2018, eight non week one starters start week 13 in 2019, it was seven, and here in 2020, we're going to have – and keep in mind, we have two teams on by, so there's only 15 games this week, assuming we get all the games in. You know, there's going to be nine non-week one starters at the quarterback position in these 15 games. And so, I don't know, like that, that includes Mitch Trubisky, who actually started week one, but then he got replaced by Foles. It's kind of back and forth, so I kind of cheated there. But you get the point that I, I think it's good to maybe shoot your – a lot of different shots on backup quarterbacks because eventually they become relevant. And if you want to talk about super flex leagues, what's more, what's more um, sellable than, Oh, I have this new quarterback that is starting for my non-competing team. I will trade to the competing team and just get instant cash for it or an instant draft pick. I don't know if you have thoughts on that. Yeah, no. So that's actually a good, a little good segue there because we're in a league together with uh, with John Bosch and a couple other guys. Jay Mike's in that league, and we were talking about Taysom Hill. So you talk about Taysom Hill and what his value is. And guy who had Taysom Hill didn't he didn't want to take anything less than a first round pick for Taysom Hill. And that that's steep in my opinion. I said you're talking about a second in an auction league. It's a second with the money and everything, but. That's just that's just rough. But in the state of Superflex, somebody might actually be desperate enough to pay something like that. So when you invest in a backup quarterback, um, Taysom's a little different. I understand that. But when you invest in a backup quarterback and he hits and, and they're going to be you know, in the playoffs, in the fantasy football playoffs, 
then you're going to be able to get value from some some team that doesn't want to pay a ton, even if it's just getting moving up in the draft order, you can do it. So it's a good idea to just stash who you can. I always try and stash some backup quarterbacks from teams, even if they're not my own. Um, if they have like an older veteran, uh, especially if their line is just absolute garbage, that that's a big one. If their line is just trash and the starters getting killed, listen, the backup quarterback might get killed, but he might have use for a game. Yeah, and maybe this is more of a, hey, I'm not competing this year so I can use some more roster spaces on these individuals. But let's talk about that league, that league's bar tab. And and I my my plan was this year was to basically just grab any, you know, rookie quarterback who wasn't, um, you know, highly sought after, like a Jake Lutton, um, you know, there's a couple other ones. Anthony Gordon from the Seahawks was another one. Basically, uh, Jacob Eason. There was a lot of fourth round, fifth round, sixth round quarterbacks that most of them, you know, are I, I got for a dollar. And now we see Jake Lutton it, it was the quarterback for a couple of weeks. And in, in leagues, I was able to move him, not that specific league, but I, I don't know. Like, I guess my, my my thought with this is that running backs are, are really easy to move because everyone needs a running back. Wide receivers, not so much. Tight end, not so much. But when a quarterback becomes a starter, just it vaults up their value faster than any other position. And once they, they become solidified, like we saw uh, with Gardner Minshew last year, you know, they can be moved for a haul. And, and now Gardner Minshew isn't even well, – he's kind of injured, right? Like, is he the starter? Isn't he the starter? We just see a year later. You you could have sold him for a first a year ago. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, probably, especially, like, during the fantasy playoffs. No doubt. Especially if it, somebody had a quarterback go down, or if they just didn't, they wanted a little bit more consistency because because Baker was putting up good numbers, then you probably could have gotten a first for him. And at that time, um, it, it would have been perfect. Now this year, you couldn't do anything with Gardner because early on you knew that they were going to be trash. Before the season, you should have known they're going to be trash. Less than four wins, you owe me money. Um, <laughs> uh, yes. Robbie and I made a bet. The over/under was three and a half wins for the Jags. It's. It looks like I. I think I have it based on their schedule. Currently, have one win. So let me fun. be but fair. Yeah. This was before they sold their soul by Listen, trading everybody on the roster. Sometimes, if you've already sold your soul, you know who is going to sell your soul. And I get money from people who haven't sold their soul, and eventually, you will sell your soul to get your soul back for money that you owe me. Yes, you understand. That made absolutely no sense, and we are going to roll with it. We're going right, to go. keep rolling. So, Tom, we are in round two of our 2020 Dynasty Rookie Redraft. I'm going to quickly go over round one just to remind everybody who's already off the board. This is a <clears> super flex PPR with tight end premium, just to see if we can sneak in a tight end here. First pick went to you. You took Justin Herbert. Second pick went to me. I got Joey Burrow, who has now landed on IR um, with an extensive injury. I wonder where he would have uh, fallen to if we had done this today. Then you went with Justin Jefferson. At four, I took CeeDee Lamb. Five, you went DeAndre Swift. Six, I went Clyde Edwards-Elair. Seven, you went the UDFA, James Robinson. Eight, I went T. Higgins. Nine, and I think we both agreed that nine, we kind of just forgot. I don't know how we forget about it. That's such bad podcasting, but Tua was down there at nine, <laughs> uh, 10. I went chase Claypool 11. You went Jerry Judy. And I rounded out the first round with Jalen Rager. So Tom, we are back to you. 
with the first pick of the second round. You have the floor. Ryan, I'm an Eagles fan, but I think I'm going to be a gentleman here. Would you like the first pick in this dra- in the in the second round since I had the first pick in the uh, in the last one? Uh, no, I, I I don't. I actually want you to pick. So I think I know who you're going to pick, and I think that opens it up for me uh, to get a nice little pick here at, at 14. So I'm going to I'm going to be right. the even bigger gentleman and let you continue. Uh, going okay, first. so it's one of these like after you, after you, after you. No, I insist. No, I insist. Yes. Kind of things. Fine. And I you know do what? insist. Um, all right, so I was going to take one of my boys. However, I'm not. This is going to be an upset. I'm going to take, and I wish you guys could see Robbie's face right now, Antonio Gibson ah, with the 201. Did that go the way you thought it was going to go? No, I thought it was literally going to be the reverse. I thought you were going to go with your boy, but you are prisoner of the moment, and you were going with the man I was going to go with at 14. So here's the deal. This is called strategy in a draft. I know I'm going to get one of my boys with the next pick, and that's why I took Antonio Gibson. Because why wouldn't I want to take the current wide receiver five in PPR scoring? Wide um, receiver? Damn, where is he at? I'm sorry, running back. Running back, running back <laughs> five. He's probably close to the wide receiver five at this point. Jesus. Got to be up there. Um, basically, Antonio Gibson is what people wanted CJ Proceis to turn out to be. You had so many wrong evaluations based on the fact that there wasn't a lot of touches coming out. You didn't have a lot of tape, and it was all projection. Um, and he went to the Redskins, and there were so many negative things that you could have said about Antonio Gibson, and he's just smashed them. You've had a couple weeks where you know McKissick has, has gone out, and he's done really well and gotten like 87 targets out of the backfield, and that's kind of putting a damper on him a little bit. But Antonio Gibson is, is just surviving, and that team – they have Antonio Gibson and they have Terry McLaurin. They have two very good talents and they're getting the ball to them next year. When they get a quarterback, it's going to continue. Um, that's why I like Antonio Gibson so much moving forward. I think if we'd done this two weeks ago, seeing that and it's not just last week, the Thanksgiving game is not, it's not just that it's seeing that he's sustainable with somebody else in there to take targets away from him. Cause it's not like he's out there getting, you know, a million targets a game. He's got 39 targets through what, 11 weeks, 12 weeks now. I think he should have more. So his upside is is still he's still there, and he's the wide running back five. I want to call him a wide receiver so bad. God, he's the running back five right now. And how crazy is it that right now you have James Robinson and Antonio Gibson as the running back four and five? That's just that's just bonkers. But yeah, I'm going Antonio Gibson right here um it's more strategy because i know i'm going to get one of my guys next but if you're redrafting it antonio gibson is easily a top four pick i think top five pick probably so let's set the table for people who want to know okay we've seen two weeks since you guys drafted the first round and now antonio gibson has kind of blown up over the past two weeks especially this this thanksgiving game against the cowboys uh he went 20 for 115 with three touchdowns. And he also had five receptions. I mean, just an absolute monster game. Um, we've seen him now the past three weeks get 15 touches, 17 touches, and now 23 touches. So like you said, he is he is becoming that workhorse back. McKissick is kind of fading, you know, as McKissick was basically the passing down back. But now 
it, it, he's even losing that work to Gibson. So where would you put Gibson if we were doing the first round? Would you have him above? Let's see, you took Judy at 11. You took two at yeah. nine. You took James Robinson at seven. Would you have Gibson higher than any of these individuals? I think I'd have him above James Robinson. <sighs> They're really close. So I think if, if I did the redid the first round right now, it would burrow even with the injury. I'm still keeping in the top five because I think he'll come back from that. He'll come back fine. Herbert is still the the 101. Justin Jefferson is going to be above him. Uh, CD Lamb, I'm going to keep him above him. So it's it's that five spot. No, that would be DeAndre Swift. That's five, and then we're talking six. I think I might take him sixth. So I think I would take him above James Robinson. So he is vaulted to your running back two in the class. Is that what you're telling me? I think I, I hate this. I I hate myself. I hate myself. But I think that's no. I still take I take Ceh. He's the running back three right now in the class. Okay. You you know what what's interesting about this is that we going into this year we had some could argue the top five unquestioned running backs, right? With CH, JT, Dobbins, Akers, and who am I missing? CH, right? Well, you say Swift? Yeah. Oh, Swift, sorry. And and Swift. So now it's interesting because you have Antonio Gibson kind of leapfrogging half. Well, we we, we already had James, uh, James Robinson leapfrog two of those individuals, three of those individuals, right? He, he leapfrogged. Dobbins, he leapfrogged JT, and he leapfrogged Akers. That's going to be mm-hmm. really interesting to see over the last couple of weeks of the season what happens because Akers is coming on strong. Um, JT was really good before you know his girlfriend got on a train for COVID or whatever the hell it was. And Dobbins, we have no idea because he was on the COVID list too. Dobbins, we're, we're probably not going to see much this year, so he's going to be more projection. So he's going to drop. JT and Akers can make up some spots there w- with a workload that they could possibly get and they should get. I think out of the out of the three, Akers is probably going to leap. Um, I'm not going to talk about that yet, but I think his schedule and whatnot are very conducive to to jumping up a lot. Go ahead. Yeah, d- don't don't get too ahead of ourselves. Yeah. We will get to some of these individuals. I just wanted to s- kind of see where you you had Gibson, knowing these these two more weeks of knowledge that we've now gained, and it seems like he's jumped a lot for you. I I'm not quite there. He'll he'll jump above Rager for me. I took Rager at twelve, and I, and I have him really close with probably Chase Claypool at, at ten. So I'm probably sticking with most of my top nine top 10 guys and he's right there with with chase claypool so he he sneaks up a couple spots for me but the guy i will be taking at 14 with the second pick in the second round will be jk dobbins and that is 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 very surprising because after we saw jonathan taylor finally you know kind of have a resurgence right we saw him week two he had 26 carries, 101 yards, and then since then he's just been an absolute – I don't want to say an absolute disappointment. He's just has not lived up to expectations, and you just saw a lot of people start to turn on him. Oh, you know, he's going to be the next Trent Richardson. Oh, he can't do it. His vision is, is, isn't is there. Too many carries, you know, all, all in college. Too, too many, you know, 
touches in college. And so a lot of people started to fade uh, Jonathan Taylor and push him down to probably where, maybe even below where we have him right now going at 14. But I think it's not just last week. It, it's I've said from the beginning, and people are sick of, of hearing this from me, that rookie running backs sometimes take time. And I'm willing to be more patient than others. I'm, I've been patient with Rojo, and it's starting to pay off this year. Um, I was patient with Darrell Henderson, and, and obviously that one hasn't quite panned out, but he's had a couple flashes here and there. I'm, I'm willing to wait if my rookie running back doesn't hit the first 10 weeks of the season. Maybe it even takes year two uh, to hit. And so I think that's something that Jonathan Taylor, or excuse me, that J.K. Dobbins, uh, we're, we're starting to see now um, with him as, as Mark Ingram's starting to get pushed to the side. Gus Edwards is always kind of there, but Let's talk about Mark Ingram for a bit because he's on his last year of his deal in 2021, but he only has a $1.5 million cap hit. If they wanted to move him um, out, I think that just opens the door for J.K. Dobbins. I do think Gus sticks around. They, they resigned him when I thought he was going to move this past off season. But I, I think this is an offense that continually wants to run first, second, and third down, pass second with Lamar Jackson and and I think J.K. Dobbins, even though I had Jonathan Taylor slightly above him in the preseason, I think I, I've started to flip just based on what I've seen um, th this season so far and, and kind of the emergence of, of both these backs, honestly. I don't, I don't want to knock Jonathan Taylor. They're very close for me. But J.K. Dobbins, with the, the profile going in and what we've seen so far with the offense, I, I like him a little bit better. Yeah, so – before the draft, it was kind of funny. I comped him to Ray Rice, and then he goes to Baltimore and wears 27. So it's, you know, he has those moments where you say, holy shit, like that that's impressive when he makes those jump cuts and whatnot. So I can see it, especially with the path to the carries there. Um, all right, so Baltimore has $3 million worth of cap space, and it is going to drop likely. Uh, like 23 to 27 million dollars, I would say, based on projections. So, getting that 1.5 or 1.3 million dollars is probably going to make a, a big difference just in getting under the cap because a lot of teams are gonna have to get under the cap. Uh, like the Eagles are 60 some million dollars over, Baltimore not being that much over. Is, or I'm sorry, they're they're a little bit under right now, but it's still going to drop, so they don't have to cut or make space for as many people so they can do it. So an easy way to do that to save just $1.3 million is to get rid of Ingram, and the next thing you know is path to carries is it's gone. It's Gus Edwards because Gus Edwards has a cheap deal. So um, that's a good point. It's a good pick. Um, I like that. Yeah, as, as of this recording, we have not seen them play. Their game against the Steelers has continually been postponed, you know, set for Wednesday late afternoon, mid-afternoon right now. And so with that, J.K. Dobbins has now been out 10 days and will be eligible to come back. And so I think we'll get another, uh, uh, you know, test of, of seeing him as he starts to ascend in this offense and kind of take over as Mark Ingram's kind of taken the third fiddle role, at least he did this past uh, week 11, which seems forever ago now. So, yeah, yeah it, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, so uh, with the 203, you know I'm between Cam Akers and Jonathan Taylor, and I am actually going to go with Jonathan T Nope, Cam Akers. I'm no, going Cam not. Akers here. I'm, no, yeah, I'm not. going Cam Akers. You know why? 
I trust his coach more to give him the ball. And I know it sounds crazy based on what we've seen early on, but Sean McVay wants the bell cow. That's what he wants. And Cam Akers is going to prove over the last couple games that he's going to be, be the bell cow. He's got the Cardinals, the Patriots, the Jets, and the Seahawks through week 16 of the fantasy playoffs. I don't have the other one up on week 17. But you're seeing they're giving him more carries, and he's earned those carries because he's by far the best back. Darrell Henderson has like a 2.3 yard per carry average right now um, in the last couple games. Uh, Malcolm Brown is Malcolm Brown. He's going to take a couple carries every week. But that that offense is best when they can stick one running back out there and he can do anything, and that's Cam Akers. This was the argument for me for him being ranked so highly. Uh, I trust his coach more at this point to get him the ball and (laughs) (laughs) manufacture touches. We're keeping that in. Yeah, we are. Um, Then I do do Frank Reich. So that's the only difference for me. And the tape isn't necessarily like that much different as far as who's impressing me more. It's it's it comes down to the system, and I want the running back in the system uh, of the Rams as opposed to the fucking Colts who they want to give Naheem Hines eighty touches a game and whatever, and Jonathan Taylor disappears. So I'm gonna take Cam Akers here at three in the second round. You you have cooled a lot on Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, it hurts. I'm not gonna lie, um, like a lot, a lot. Yeah, no, and but this goes to show you that you can't get stuck. All right, but but this goes to show you as a dynasty owner that you can't get stuck on somebody just because you love them, like early on. Like you have to, you have to look at the signs. Like I really like Jonathan Taylor as a player, but Frank Reich is in the way because maybe he likes the committee. Maybe he really likes Naheem Hines a lot too. Because guess what, Naheem Hines is proving to be a pretty useful NFL player. So he's still going to get touches. It's not like if Jonathan Taylor, uh, you know, balls out one week, then we know he's going to do it the next week because it could be a Heinz week. And that's what scares me the most is the coach that could change things up and just say, okay, Heinz, you're going to get in there. We're going to throw the ball a lot. I like your speed to the outside. Um, it could be running certain types of plays versus the defenses that he thinks somebody does better. Frank Reich is a very good schemer, but guess what? Fantasy football-wise, he's going to tell us to go fuck ourselves. So that's why I'm taking Cam Akers over him right now. You know who else likes a committee? Your mom. <laughs> that was that was brutal. That was, that was brutal. I'm going to leave it in, but that was absolutely uncalled for. She's a nice lady, and she should be left sure out of this. Is. He was on his third Never glass of wine. I knew it would. I knew it would come out. Something would come out like that. So we're moving on here. Keep this show on the road. Jonathan Taylor is should have been your pick because Sean McVay also likes the committee, and you know he just drafted Darrell Henderson the year before he drafted Cam Akers. Darrell Henderson isn't going anywhere. You know Jonathan Taylor for all everybody has slammed on him for the past however many weeks. He has still kind of slowly took take it over like everyone thinks it's Naheem Hines because Naheem Hines had a fantastic two touchdown game he got a double digit carries for like the first time ever and, and you know he had a really good game I believe that was week 10 
Well, week 11, he got put pushed to the backseat again. Like every time Naheem Hines has two touchdowns, you can just automatically assume he's not going to get the work the next game because then Jonathan Taylor comes out and has 56% of the snaps. Jonathan Wilkins is down to nine snaps. Like Jonathan Wilkins is, is an afterthought for me now. It's just a two-man show between Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. And for the Rams, you still have three guys. Malcolm Brown is going to continue to stay there. They just you know, signed an offer sheet to keep him away from – who tried to nah. steal him away? I don't even remember, but he's staying Probably there. Probably the Ravens because they just like acquiring running backs. Right. Uh, Alex Collins, you know, every, yeah, yeah, every single one. No, Alex Collins was Seahawks, right? Yeah, but he was on the Ravens for a little bit. Yeah, that's who it was. I'm pretty sure. I remember the dreads. <laughs> right. And so, I don't know. My my thoughts are, yes, both, both of these guys had good weeks the last time we saw them. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor was out this past week. Um, with with COVID exposure, but the last time we saw him, you know, he kind of re, re, reasserted himself against a get right defense for running backs in the Green Bay Packers. Went twenty two for ninety, and then we saw Cam Akers, you know, go nine for eighty four. Had one big run, I think, was what made that stat line look so good. Where Darrell Henderson, yards, yeah. yeah, where Darrell Henderson was only ten for eighteen. So I I think that one continues because he's still third in snaps. Cam Akers is still behind. Henderson, who starts, Malcolm Brown, who McVeigh loves, I think he's going to continue to be a problem. Those two are going to continue to be a problem for Akers next year. And I see Jonathan Taylor kind of finishing his 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 assertion to the number one running back uh, here as we continue on this season. So I will take him. I I still am in the I think he is good camp. And as much as you say, hey, we need to um, evolve what Kevin Steele of the Fantasy Authority always says, we can't have take lock. We need to evolve our thoughts and evolve how we see players. I will always go back to A.J. Brown and when he got to the Tennessee Titans and the first couple weeks he was just a nobody, and I said, you know what, I, I don't, I, I can't get behind this player. I need to move him down my rankings. He's in a bad run first, run second, run third offense. I can't, I can't go with A.J. Brown. Boom, A.J. Brown, I, I'll never forgive myself. And so – I think I think that's kind of the same with Jonathan Taylor. We, we've we've seen in college how great he's been. We know we've seen it two weeks, week two and week ten, where or week excuse me, week eleven, where he's just gone off. And so I'm I'm ready to see more of it, and I think uh, we will as we round out this fantasy season. So here's my biggest issue with with Jonathan Taylor: his longest rush on the season is 21 yards. In college, you saw him popping off runs like it was just candy. I, that was sick of being upsold at gyms. My guy, you're currently a base member. For ninety dollars more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For hundred and thirty more, you'll be a swole member. And for just three hundred dollars more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy. Always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why I loved him so much. You know what I mean? So that added to everything. He would get like eight, nine yards, eight, nine yards, three yards. What? Oh, there's a there's a 65 yarder and he's gone. I haven't seen the explosiveness. That's what that's what irks me a little bit about Jonathan Taylor. Cam, he has a 46 yard run. He's got a 61 yard run. He hasn't been getting a ton of like carries, which is alarming. But at the same time, I think moving forward, he's it's an it's an uptick in everything, and I think it's happening finally for Cam Makers with Jonathan Taylor again. Naheem Hines is still going to be there, um, and he's a good player overall. So that's why I like Cam Makers. Your Malcolm Brown and your Darrell Henderson thing, the running backs, they get replaced all the time. So it doesn't concern me if they can find an elite one where they love them and they love them in their system, they're going to go with them. And that's that's why I like Cam Akers more than JT at this point. I reserve the right to change my goddamn opinion. All right, so I know you're probably sick of hearing me talk, but I'm going with Robbie's favorite guy, Brandon Ayuk. Oh, you know what I forgot to call you on earlier in this podcast because you were just you had such an eloquent point. I didn't want to interrupt you. Um, you know, Tom, <laughs> one of your one of your favorite one of my favorite attributes about you is your. Uh, player name pronunciation. I know. I would, just, I would just like you to once more for the audience pronounce the starting current starting quarterback for the Saints name. Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. Yes, not Taysom. Taysom Hill. I don't understand the. Di- I'm saying exactly what you're saying. No, 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 no. no. It's you not were Taysom. Taysom. That's what it is. He's Tay-Som. earned the Tay, and he's going to get some more. So that's why I say Tay Sam. I don't All understand. Right. Brandon, next... yuck, 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 yuck. <laughs> All right. All right. So with the – God damn. Is this five? That's it? Yep. We're only at five. This is forever. This is forever. <laughs> we got to – It happens when you have three glasses of wine. <laughs> You're rambling too, aren't you? Probably. All right. So, all right. With the 205, I'm going to take a guy like I was really close to taking in the first round, Brandon Ayuk. I love him. Um, I think everybody was in love with Debo in that offense, and Ayuk got drafted. Ayuk. I just want to call him Ayuk. I don't know why. It's fantastic, and I love it. So I'll call him Brandon so Robbie's head doesn't explode. But, again, um, he gets targets. He makes plays. He's getting touchdown. He just looks the part out there. I'm not going to just – I'm not going to be as long-winded as I am with Cam. He passes the eye test. Uh, When he's on the field, he gets the ball. He gets targets. I I don't have his target numbers in front of me at the moment, but um, yeah, no, I he's just I love him. I really like him, and I own him in a lot of places. So good to go, Robbie. Sorry for not next level analysis there, but again, Robbie said I had three glasses of wine, so I'll screw myself. <laughs> no, Tom. I think I think Brandon Ayuk has, has really surprised me as well. Um, I I've been in the Debo camp. Uh, you know, as I've seen him last year, I wasn't a Debo guy, became a Debo guy, and then Ayuk comes in, and I'm like, ah, no, 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 no. He's just another version of Debo. I can't like them both. i got to pick one or the other. Ayuk the last three weeks has been pretty damn good. He has gotten six receptions for 115 yards three weeks ago, eight for 91 and a touchdown two weeks ago, and last week 
seven for 75 and a touchdown. I think he had 14 targets in that game. Like this is where Debo also went over a hundred yards. Like what 49ers offense is this? Like they're, they're throwing that much with Nick Mullins. That's exciting because I want both Debo and I to be good. Oh, did I say I yuck now? Oh gosh. Yeah. I I want I to be good. So yeah, I, I, I don't think this is a bad pick at all, honestly. I, I think he was going to be next one of the next up for me, but not quite because there's a man that you were forgetting about, and the reason he's flying under the radar is because he's on the, one of the worst offenses in football, Denzel Mims. Oh. Denzel, Denzel Mims was – up there, I'd say a top six guy for me. He was in the Higgins, Justin Jefferson, Denzel Mims tier for me. I think I had them as like tier three for for wide receiver. I think I had Lavisca Chanel in that in that tier as well. And so they were all around wide receiver four, five, six, seven, or something like that. And he has not taken off like Justin Jefferson. He has not taken off um, like some of these other guys who who were drafted above him, T. Higgins as well. But Denzel Mims, you know, since coming, he, he was injured obviously for the first half of the season. But in the past four weeks, his reception totals. Now, remember, we're talking about a Sam Darnold, Adam Gaze Jets offense. His receiving totals have been 42, 42, 62, 67. Like he's building uh, just a small something there in New York where it just doesn't seem to be a fantasy wasteland. And he's going really under the radar because we haven't seen a 100-yard game. We haven't seen him pop off of the two-touchdown game. But if you watch the tape, he's really playing quite well. Like what we saw from him at Baylor was a guy that has a big catch radius, a, a lot of really good speed, not the most refined route tree, but I think that can come in time. And so I think if this Jets offense gets better pieces around him, I don't know how Adam Gase does a job at 0-11. I do think that changes, and, and I'm going to continue to to pound the table for Mims, um, and, and I think him going right here at the 206 is a great value. So it is. I had him on my list. He was within one of the next like three to four to go. I wouldn't have taken him over two guys, two wide receivers personally, but I understand why he did. Um, he's got really strong hands. That's the other thing with Denzel Mims. It's just like he'll just go up and rip it away from people. Uh, so you pontificated that point with Denzel Mims pretty well. So I'm just going to move on. This is the two, you had the 205. So this is the 206, correct? So that is I incorrect. Believe, You're at oh, the 207. 207. I'm sorry. We're on odd numbers. I am going to go with Michael Pittman from Indy here. And this is a player I liked coming out. I had him ranked, I think, at 13-ish. Uh, before the draft. Um, I liked him a lot as a player. It's taken him a little bit to get going. He had some injuries going early on. Was it himself? Phillip Rivers has not been very good, but once he started targeting him in week 10, he started really coming on. He was was 7 for 101. Um, It's on 8 targets, 3 for 66. Again, I... He's just looked a lot better than everybody else. So it's not a lot of statistical output from him, but he's looked much better. And that overall passing game out there isn't great. Phillip Rivers is on a one-year deal. I fully expect a new quarterback to be out there. 
I'm sorry, it's not going to be Jacob Eason, even though you bought him up everywhere. Um, I think Indy's going to do something. You know, they have $96 million of cap space. So we're talking about the other teams like Baltimore has $3 million. The Eagles are like 66 And then you have Indy, which is like $96 million over the cap or, or something around that range. Uh, so they're going to get a quarterback somehow. Frank Reich isn't just going to like waste away their offensive line. Um, and I, Michael Pittman's only got good things to come. Yeah, I really like this pick. It was really close between Mims and Pittman. I like Mims as a prospect a lot better. Um, I was a little bit lower on Pittman than I, than I think consensus was. Really tall, lanky wide receiver, um, a really good outside receiver um, out of USC. And, and I think just what kind of held me back was I wasn't sure if, if he could kind of transform into this overall playmaker. Like I think I, I, I could see flashes and maybe he, he gives you a little bit here and there. But since coming off the injury report with a calf injury that held him out for most of the season, um, he's come back with a vengeance, man. I, I think we, we talk about uh, Mims doing this. He's done it as well. He went seven for 101 against Green Bay. He had a nice 40-yard reception in that in that game where he looked absolutely great, had some good speed for his size, his lankiness. And so, yeah, I, I'm not sure if the Colts keep Rivers around. I am, am not on the train that, it, that it's somebody outside the organization. I was a Jacob Eason fan. I think he needed time to sit behind somebody like Rivers, um, someone who could mentor him. I do think he can be a starting quarterback. Um, he just needs to limit his turnovers, improve his accuracy a little bit, but that guy has a cannon of an arm. Um, I think he has some really good tape out of Washington and wasn't always the most consistent. So I'm kind of excited about Jacob Eason if, if he can get that job, but I do think there's a lot of other options they can do as well. So I do like the Michael Pittman take there. So we've done, you know, three wide receivers in a row. We've done Brandon Ayuk. We've done Denzel Mims. We've done Michael Pittman. And I'm going to continue that wide receiver run by taking Gabe Davis from Buffalo in this redraft. This is a guy that was probably not on anyone's radar. And he probably still is very undervalued. But this is a guy who's kind of, I don't want to say buried because he's getting out there so much because, oh, the Buffalo Bills are just running this air raid offense and deciding to throw it 40 times a game with Josh Allen back there. But Gabe Davis has now had three games where he scored. He's had three games of 70-plus yards. And Cole Beasley and John Brown, I don't think, are long for the jobs there in Buffalo. They're both on the wrong side of 30. I don't want to say descending assets, but definitely past their prime. And I think Gabe Davis has showed really, really well pre-draft my big guy was Isaiah Hodgkins, excuse me, Isaiah Hodgins, who went to the Buffalo Bills. I thought he was going to kind of be that that breakout fourth wide receiver, but instead it's Gabe Davis out of UCF. And I think he's made a lot of good plays. You know, I like him enough where I'm taking him over some guys who had higher draft capital uh, than him that are still on the board. Dude, he's so sneaky. It's actually a really good pick because you're going to look at him and be like, you're going to pick Gabe Davis over like the next – probably two receivers that are going to go Josh Allen's there. You have a quarterback, you have a system in place, you have coaching consistency. It's all going to be there. You're not going to see a system change. It's not bad with the next two guys. You're going to see some changes, I think. And I'm talking about LaVisca, LaVisca Chenault and Henry Ruggs, who I think are the, are the two guys that are in the running there for the next pick. Chenault, you're going to see a coaching change. So you don't know how it's, how it's going to be used and Ruggs, You're not going to see, a coaching change, but you could see a QB change, even though Carr has played really well. So it's sneaky. 
I think I'd take the other two wide receivers over them, but at the same time, I get it. Like, I didn't have any other wide receivers I would take over those two, so that's that's sneaky good. Yeah, I guess where, where it lies for me is what that Buffalo Bills offense has kind of shown to be able to do this year and what that could look like next year and the year after. Like, we talked about a lot of these running backs, and it doesn't look like their their counterparts are going away. It's going to be murky for a while. And I think with Gabe Davis, the only thing that's holding him right back right now is snaps. And I think that's something that can change as soon as 2021, uh, because I do think he can ascend over, um, you know, Cole Beasley and John Brown on that that target pecking order. And so that's why I think he's in that same tier as as Michael Pittman. Maybe not quite Denzel Mims. I have him at a tier above you but I think he's that next tier of guys that you know I'd like if I don't think anyone will move him for a third but if you could somehow swing that I, I would definitely move him for a third because I think he gains value uh, this next year yeah no no doubt um you're probably gonna have to pay a, a late second to get him that's an interesting one I'd, I'd have to sit here and, and think about it but next pick I'm gonna take Laviska Chenault. uh so that is the 209 I believe uh, mathematical statuses say that's correct right Robbie Robbie's nodding yes yes that's nine so I'm gonna take Visca um the interesting thing with him is we don't know the system like I just previously said that he's gonna be in next year he's had some really good flashes I can't sit here and and speak to his statistical outputs because they haven't been fantastic but again he had a game where it was five for 86 seven for 79 those are his, his best two games but it's really going to come down to coaching, like where where he lands with the new coach, who the new quarterback is, et cetera, how they want to use him. If they want to use him as the offensive weapon that he is, then he could be a top you know, 15 wide receiver if they use him correctly because he's good enough to do that uh, when you bake in the additional rushing yardage here or there. I think you're looking at an upside of like somebody like Robert Woods where – you know, he, he might take like two to three, you know, end around like sweep type things and then two or more like other ones. So he's not going to be a top five wide receiver. But at this point in the draft, if you can get a top 15 wide receiver with upside, I'm doing it every time. And that's what I think Chanel is. No, he would have been next for me as well. We've seen we've seen little things from him. Right. But that that's another offense where what can he be with X player, X draft player? So if they, right. you know, continue on this, this march to try and uh, keep up with the Jets in the, in the tank for Trevor uh, sweepstakes, can they get a Justin Fields or, or a Trevor Lawrence in there? And what does Chenault look like with one of those players? I think what's right. That's kind of the intriguing part with Chenault. And so at, at this, at this area of the draft, when you want to talk about what are we looking for? We're looking for absolute upside I think that's a player with absolute absolute upside with the right quarterback. Yeah, no, me too. And if he gets a guy like Justin Fields who could who can move, like Trevor Lawrence can move, don't get me wrong. But I feel like the offense is a little bit different with Justin Fields than it is with with Trevor Lawrence. Um, you're gonna see more of those jet sweeps and you know, stuff like that. So it, it's gonna be really interesting with with Chenault to see how his career progresses. But at the same time, at this point in any draft, all you should be doing is looking for upside. Absolutely. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to do just that with this next pick. It is going to oh, anger a lot of individuals. It is going to drive uh, the, the hate towards towards me because I think this is a player that you can easily point to and say, yep, easy bust, call that one, knew it for sure. 
and, and, and that's that. Except we've seen running backs be absolute dead to rights year one and come back from the fantasy graveyard and, and, and be productive. Let's talk about Damian Harris this year. You know, he had four touches, four touches in his rookie season. And now this year he has three 100-yard games. He has 5.1 yards per carry with Cam and, and the Patriots. We've seen rookie running backs be dead to rights their, their first year and still come back and be fantasy relevant. And I think that will be the case with one Keyshawn Vaughn. Oof. You spent and, like $800 on him. Yes, Keyshawn Vaughn is the player that I really, really, really liked. I had him up there as QB, excuse me, as running back five and six in a, in a lot of my rankings. I kind of went back and forth with him and Cam Akers. It's kind of that fifth and sixth running back spot. Obviously, he has done nothing this year because Bruce Arians went out and signed LaShawn McCoy, Leonard Fournette. He, he thought, you know, I need more bodies that can't do anything uh, in this this offense when he had perfectly good backs like Ronald Jones, as you know, big fan of him. And then Keyshawn Vaughn, someone who I pounded the table for in, in rookie drafts. And so someone tweeted out and they said, you know, who's a guy that's being absolutely undervalued and, and forgotten about and slept on in, in dynasty um, right now. And a lot of people are throwing out these names of guys that have just popped off and had big games like, Oh, Cam Akers or, or, Oh yeah, Jonathan Taylor. It's like, no, no, those are guys that like, you're going to have to pay up for it. Like they're, they're starting to have games. Who's not even getting touches right now that could be fancy relevant next year? All it takes is Fournette to leave town, LaShawn McCoy to leave town, which I think both of them absolutely will. And then all of a sudden he's looking at a split backfield with Ronald Jones. You want to talk about somebody who had really good tape because he played in the SEC and still averaged over five and a half yards per carry against SEC defenses for Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. I mean, they had – horrendous offensive line play. He can pass block. He can pass catch. I really do like Keyshawn Vaughn. I know it's not popular to say right now. People are, are he, yep, he's exactly what we thought. He's a bust. Well, he's a bust because he just hasn't gotten on the field. And I don't think that's because of him. I just think Brissarian saw an opportunity to get a former first round in Fournette and a, and a you know, quote unquote, good pass catcher in LaShawn McCoy, who's now well past his prime. And I think they'll be moving on. So I do think Keyshawn Vaughn can have a Damian Harris type of comeback. And I would I would honestly uh, tell other other fantasy owners to go out and throw out some some late seconds, some early thirds to try and acquire him. All right. So the the big thing that is concerning about Keyshawn Vaughn is the the running back usage there. If he can somehow grab hold of it, like we've seen Ronald Jones weeks where you know he should be the guy. And the next week, Fournette gets eight, nine carries, and his snap share is like 60%. So that's the only thing that really concerns me there. Uh, so Keyshawn has to actually grab a hold of that damn job in training camp next year. Don't you think that's a point too, Keyshawn Vaughn? Like as a, as a Rojo truther here, I think that's a threat to, to his establishment as – like we hear Bruce Arians say, hey, he needs to be a 20-touch guy, and I don't believe it, as nobody should. But let's Never. talk about next year, and I'm going to guess that Fournette and McCoy are no longer there. I could be wrong, but I'm going to say it's probably no, think- a Rojo, Keyshawn Vaughn, and let's throw in some kind of pass catching back, okay? I think that's going to probably be the, the three main backs. And I think if you, if you want to look at what Bruce Arians is, has shown us, he doesn't trust, for whatever reason, doesn't trust Ronald Jones. And I think that's a point to Keyshawn Vaughn that – he can get in there and get some work. And I'm not saying he has to be all worldly. 
I'm just saying he he works his way in. And at this point in the draft, if you want to talk about getting in an offense where we've seen 100-yard rushers, week, not week in, week out, that's a bit much, but we've seen Ronald Jones now go back-to-back-to-back 300-yard games. We've seen Leonard Fournette with a 100-yard game. Uh, Ronald Jones had a really good week last week. So if – anything were to happen and this became, you know, you know, injuries happen left, right, and center, right? Like if anything were to happen, we're talking about a potential guy who, who could just be like, this is the spot. This is the area of the draft where you're shooting for major upside. I think Lavishka Chenault has that. And I think Keyshawn Vaughn has that. So that's where I went, why I went with him here. No, I don't, I don't blame you at all for going with him right here. It's everything you said, those running backs aren't going to be back. So again, as a dynasty player, you have to you have to factor in the business of the NFL, and, and they're going to drop the cap, so that means there's going to be casualties. And Fournette is on a one year deal, I believe. Yes. Shady's on a one year deal, so they're yes. both going to be gone. They're not going to bring them back. They're going to have two running backs on rookie deals, and that pass catching back is going to be a rookie. They're going to draft a rookie to do that job, so they're going to cut costs everywhere they possibly can. And they're going to take a rookie running back to just do that role. If but Vaughn can catch the ball too, so I, I'm perfectly fine with that. If they're going to move into you know the season with that backfield, and he could carve something out. So I don't I don't blame you whatsoever. And a Rojo injury, uh, it, it's the key Keyshawn Vaughn show. There's nothing behind him at the moment because they shouldn't invest anything that high uh, in a running back. But I'm going to go through, I believe, my second-to-last pick, right? Yeah, yeah. before you do, though, I think you just made a great point. Let's talk about investment. Bruce Arians drafted running back in the second round. Like We always say, hey, they don't draft these guys not to use them that early. I think the same thing applies for for Keyshawn Vaughn there. So I do think, and, and I, I do hope, as, as the, one of the Ronald Jones guys, I do, I do think he is the, the main tailback, but I – don't trust Bruce Arians, and I know he'll flip it on him. I know he doesn't trust him fully as the workhorse back. Um, you know, even though he says he wants to give him twenty touches, I do think in a twenty twenty one season, if it's those two, I do think Keyshawn Vaughn finds work, and he's one injury away from a potentially really good situation. Yeah, so I think we we've got in the Keyshawn Vaughn good enough. So I am on to 209 here, I believe, and I'm going to take the first wide receiver that was drafted. 211. Or 211, 211 is my last pick? It's also Fucking your last glass packs. of wine. It's your, also your last uh, glass of wine because you're out now. It's my last glass? Yep, you're out now. I'll, I'll, I'll open another bottle, you fuck. <laughs> All right. Who do you got I for your 211? I, are you sure? Yes, let's do a recap for the listeners and Tom. At the 201, Tom took Antonio Gibson. I went J.K. Dobbins. Then he went Cam Akers. Then Jonathan Taylor. Brandon Ayuk. Then Denzel Mims. Michael Pittman. Gabe Davis. Lavishka Chenault at the 209. Keyshawn Vaughn at 210. And we are at the 211. All right. So we're at the 211 here, and we're talking upside, right? Yep. (sighs) You know, part of me wants to take Jalen Hurts just because – Screw it, and I'm an Eagles fan because I'm I'm angry. But I'm not going to because I don't think that's going to happen. So I'm going to go Henry Ruggs here. Um, again, first wide receiver drafted in the NFL draft. He's got all the tools as far as to be an elite wide receiver. He's fast. He was comp to Tyreek Hill coming out. I liked all the other wide receivers. He wasn't the fantasy wide receiver for a lot of people going 
into the NFL draft and even after he was not, but he was still the first wide receiver taken. So he can be a useful NFL player. He was just raw. So I don't necessarily think what we're seeing right now is, is that unsurprising. He wasn't going to come out and just set the world on fire. I, I hope you didn't expect that if you drafted Henry Ruggs like highly, but he's still got the skills to do it. Um, he's, he's dealt with some injuries this year. The target share in, I'm sorry, Vegas is still a bit of a mess. I remember talking to you about the target share when you were doing your projections for the season and just saying that I have no idea what to do. <laughs> I was like, just put for, put 80 for somebody and then 70 for somebody else. Next year, I think it, it hopefully clears up a little bit. I think they're going to want to get him the ball more, especially when he's healthy. Um so we're talking upside at this point in the draft, and I'm going to go ahead and hear Ruggs. No, I think that's a good pick. Uh, Ruggs w- probably doesn't fall this far in, in some other individuals' drafts. They they really enjoyed him as a prospect, and then with the high draft capital, he hasn't performed. He's had a couple very small flashes here and there, but he, he's just not the wide receiver for me. I, I, I think I'm admittedly a little bit sizist with my wide receivers, and that's going to be tough for me in this next class with so many good wide receivers at such a, a small size. But I think I think we're kind of seeing it with some of these other individuals outside of Tyreek Hill. Like I, I, I just don't see a lot of success from from wide receivers who are at the you know 180, 185 and, and lighter mark. And and that could just be short sightedness by me. But I'd rather be wrong on the one and right on the five other individuals who come in at that weight than. Uh, try and take my shot on a lot of those guys who were explosive in college, which is great, but the NFL is just a little bit different of a game. Yeah, no, it's funny because we all have our types and like, I, I love speed guys. Um, I love the underrated speed guys. I love, I love the explosive guy. Like my Tyreek share is like 85 to 90%. You know what I mean? I was just one of those guys. And yet I own rugs in like two leagues. Um, but at the same time, that's what I want in wide receivers. I want them to have that explosive capability just to be able to take over a game and they get that 200 yard game because they have, you know, an 80 yard catch early on or something. Um, so again, at this point in the draft, I'm going all upside here and that's going to be Henry Ruggs. Yes. Having Patrick Mahomes definitely helps uh, in that it situation. Does. I'm sure you're enjoying with- I'm sure you're enjoying uh, uh, your week 12 with all the points you scored with Tyreek Hill. Oof. So in my guillotine league, uh, we set up for charity called Chopping Block. I did it with CJ CJ Lang, Clubber. Um, 81 points. Yeah. <laughs> and guess who bought Tyreek early on? This guy right here. Right there. Who's laughing now, assholes? <laughs> it's for charity. The charity's already got their money, okay? Okay, now I'm fair. Just talking shit to the assholes. There you go. Yeah. So that, that's, that's a really good pick. Again, we're talking about upside, and I think that's a player that has that. I don't think people will will think this last pick has uh, quite the upside that I've been, been harping on with these middle to late second-round picks, but if we're talking tight end premium, if we're talking PPR, I think Cole Clement, was a, a really good prospect. I had him as one of my two top prospects, him and Albert O, who I, I almost tried to pronounce his name on the spot. 
Go ahead. Albert Okwegbunam. Oh, you did it. Yeah, yeah. I just you. I just needed a second. I couldn't do it, you know, right on the spot. I had to think about I it for a second. Yeah, shocking. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Cole Clement, I think, and, and, and most tight ends, right? It's not just just Cole Clement in this class, which this class, you know, isn't isn't the greatest. We have a good one coming up in 2021, but they take a while, right? And what are we seeing these past two weeks is we've seen Cole Clement already start to take over uh, the snap share from Jimmy Graham. He's out snapped him the past two weeks. He didn't, hasn't quite done that with the targets yet, but I do think that's still um, coming. And then next year, I think, I think it's probably, you know, Jimmy Graham's, you know, out, out of the picture, if not, just not really a, a factor as, as Colt Met kind of takes over this, this tight end room. I think it's, it's kind of a similar jump that we saw to Mike Gusecki or, or maybe even a, a Mark Andrews and, you know, 6'5", 250, but play, doesn't play like he's 6'5", 250. He plays uh, really quick. He, do, he doesn't – when you look at him, you don't see an athletic tight end, but he's actually quite – I'd, I'd say he's very athletic for, for his size. He knows how to get open. He's, he's great catching the ball. Um, so I just think he needs that little incubation period that we see with some tight ends. And I think with the end of the second round, this is a guy – you know, maybe doesn't have Travis Kelsey upside. I think he's a little less athletic than, than what we saw from Travis Kelsey coming out. But I, I think he can line up anywhere, H back, in line, you know, out wide. He can kind of play all over the field. And, and I think that's something that, that that Bears offense will utilize going forward. So interesting pick there. I, I he's actually my number two tight end. You know, downside to Harrison Bryant is Austin Hooper's tied to the team for the next couple of years, so you know it's it's going to be they're going to be fighting for targets. Um, it'll be interesting there, but Harrison Bryant has flashed quite a bit, in my opinion. Like I've watched red zone all season, and I constantly see him getting the damn ball, especially in the red zone. So I like him a lot as a player. You talk about an H back; he was an H back. He's that kind of guy. I like you know, as a tight end, whereas a developmental tight end where he's athletic enough to get open. He just needs the opportunity. I think he is getting the opportunity as a rookie to get on the field. So I like Harrison Bryant a little bit better than Cole Komet. I, I like Cole Komet. I like the pick. Um, it was like really splitting hairs. They're, they're right there. They're like one, a one, one B for me. So I don't blame you. Yeah. What's, what's tough with that situation is, is just the Browns don't throw a lot to begin with. Like I, I'm not sure they can support, you know, a second tight end after OBJ and Landry, you know, let's see what, what he can do while OBJ is out. But one, they don't throw a ton anyways Two, Austin Hooper is there. And so I think those two points alone had him below commit for me. And then I had Harrison as like my tight end five. So I, I liked just commit as a, as a prospect better. Um, he, he's a little bit bigger than, than Harrison Bryant, not, not quite as quick. So um, you know, that, that is definitely going in Harrison Bryant's corner, but um, yeah, I think it, it, I want to get a tight end in there. I do think Cole Komet is a good tight end that will produce um, kind of in a similar way as Mike Kosecki did um, in year two. So I think he's a good guy to round out this round two 2020 rookie redraft. No, I like it. And uh, let's put a bow on this pig. Eh? Merry let's... fucking Christmas. You be motherfucker. <laughs> Yippee-ki-yo, uh, yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay. Yeah, yippee-ki-yo, yes. mother... Yippee-ki-yo? Shit, again? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker.
All right. And Tom is going to go watch Die Hard after this. I'm going to recap really quickly for everybody. Um, remember, this is uh, we did the first round two weeks ago, 13 days ago to be exact. So this was before Antonio Gibson's big blow up. Uh, we probably would have ranked him in the in the mid to low um, first round after his ascension the, the past couple of weeks. But he went at the 201. 202 was J.K. Dobbins. 203 was Cam Akers. Jonathan Taylor fell all the way to 204. I think that's an interesting uh, value down there. 205 was Brandon Ayuk. 206 was Denzel Mims. 207 was Michael Pittman. Gabe Davis comes in there at the 208. 209 is LaVisca Chenault. 210 is Keyshawn Vaughn. 211 is Henry Ruggs. And the 212 final pick of this 2020 rookie redraft is Cole Clement. Tom, any last words? I'm done. I'm, I'm done. No. Okay. Make sure if you guys haven't tuned in, Tom and Cody do their rookie, not rookie, their prop talk every Saturday. They are going live now. Make sure you tune into that. They had uh, 200 views on the last video. They're really blowing up. Uh, Tom's been on fire this entire season. Cody's been okay. Definitely encourage you guys to watch that. We have our Sunday morning pregame show helping you guys set your lineup that starts at 1130 Eastern. Make sure you actually, I think that starts at 11 Eastern. Yeah. We, we, we go for an hour and a half now. So make sure you're tuning into that. Make sure you're following us at FF underscore authority on Twitter, Tom, you know, until we come back with uh, a bigger and better episode. See ya. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.